Hey, I'm Sunday Parikh, Zabu from the Guild and the creator of Legend of Neil, and you are listening to the Versus Node podcast on GamerNode.com. To the Versus Node replay for the months of January and February 2011. My name is Eddie Anzato. I'm the editor in chief of GamerNode.com, and I'm here with Jason Finelli, associate editor. How you doing, man? This is—it's been far too long since we've done this. Indeed. This, this, and and since we've been gone, we've been invaded by another podcast. I don't like this. Oh no! It's, it's time to—it's time to bear arms, gentlemen. <laughs> No way, Big Potion is an excellent companion show to the Versus Node podcast, and I'm really happy to have them. Oh, so am I. Yeah, they got, those guys are great. I'm very, I'm happy to happy they're here. I remember being on their show. They do a great job. Um, it's good to have them. But as I said, it's been far too long since Versus Node has graced the internet. So it's great to be back. Right. Awesome. Awesome. And before we get into that about the Big Red Potion and those guys, there are still two more Gamer Node writers here. Uh, news director Mike Murphy, how you doing, man? I'm doing uh, pretty well, I suppose. Yeah, you you keeping warm? I'm doing my best. I mean, um, I'm reporting right now from an igloo that I made <laughs> outside. Sweet. From the uh, five feet of snow we've gotten this winter from in New York. That's brutal. Of New York. Oh, I know it all too well. It's brutal. And last but not least, Dan Crabtree is here in maybe a more a less hostile location. Down there. Yeah. Oh no, it's equally as hostile, believe me. <laughs> Just in different ways. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's all kinds of you know war and stuff going on here. Williamsburg. That's, uh, in, in fact, they, uh, when you said we were talking about Big Red Potion, I was like, God damn Brits. And then I was like, wait a minute, I can't. That's just Williamsburg. I can't actually take that to the rest of America. We don't actually. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> wow, that's funny. Well, I'm glad everyone's feeling jolly tonight. <laughs> We're podcasting around midnight for everyone. Yeah, yeah. So I guess uh, we should get into it so we could all go to sleep. Um, so this is a replay show for January and February, and um, I don't think anyone in the history of Gaming has been as excited for a single game as Jason was for Marvel vs. Capcom 3. So why don't I let you start with uh, what you've been playing, Jason? How's how's that treating you? It's alright. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 everything I hoped and dreamed for and more. It's it, it's it's a it, it it's telling when you go to a, a a fighting game a fighting tournament and Marvel is there. And the previous game had a reputation for having 56 characters, but only 12 actually viable characters. Oh. And in the first four hours, you see every character in Marvel vs. Capcom 3 used at least once. Oh, now, that could be very well balanced. So it tests. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that that could be it could be because it's, it's still in its infancy. It's only two weeks old. So people could just be trying different things and seeing what works. Mm-hmm. Or it could it could be that people just have there's so many different finally so many different combinations out there that people 
have found a use for everyone. Mm-hmm. I know I personally was was beating around two or three different teams before I actually went. Um, I settled on apparently the wrong team because I got smoked. <laughs> but, oh man! But, uh, yeah, that you think you're good because you know you you play with your friends and you and you beat you, you do pretty good against them. You you win you know seventy eighty percent of the time because you're the fighting game guy and that's what they expect you to do. And then you go to a tournament and you don't win a single match the entire weekend. That's in, in that anything. Ouch. Like, I'm not talking just Marvel. I'm talking Marvel, Super Street, Tekken, Soul Calibur, nothing. Ouch. Jesus. That so, reminds me of uh, reminds me of when I went to a Halo tournament and lost to like a 14 year old oh, first man. round. And then you punched him in the face, right? I wanted to. <laughs> Hopefully not. Ah, no. no. He, yeah, you told uh, his mom that he was playing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I complained. I said there were words coming out of his her child's mouth. Where's the soap? Yeah. <laughs> so wait, here's a question. Um, I think Mike, you you've been playing Marvel vs. Capcom three also, right? Yes. Okay, so now to to both of you, um, do you think that the game really is that balanced, or do you think people are still just trying to figure out who the overpowered characters are? Uh, well, like like Jason said, it's kind of hard to tell because it's so early on. It it certainly feels really really balanced. The only, from my experience, the only uh, the only characters that, that I would say w- could be unbalanced in my experience is uh, the Weapon X program team of Wolverine, Deadpool, and X-23. I played with them a couple times, and as opposed to like ha- get like getting beaten or having a decent fight against my friends, I just wiped the floor with them. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I then again, I, like I said, I only played a couple matches with them, so I can't really tell how they might have might pair up against other pl- other uh, characters. But from what I played, uh, aside from that, everything seems pretty balanced. Uh, my my only gripe with the game ha- really has nothing to do with the gameplay at all. It has to do with the uh, the story. Mm-hmm. And, or lack thereof. Exactly, uh, because all all I kept hearing regarding the story for Marvel vs. Capcom 3 was that it was being written by Frank Thierry and that it was going to be very comic book-esque and we were given the, these comic book screen teasers which must have been from the uh, the comic that leads into the actual game and we got all these elaborate cutscenes and it looked like we were really going to have like some meeting of two worlds like cutscene interactions between like Iron Man and Ryu and all this stuff and all we got was six matches uh, in different areas, no cutscenes, and then we fought Galactus in the end, and then we got a two-comic image final cutscene for whatever character it was that finished off Galactus, and that was it. So Frank Thierry essentially just wrote a bunch of endings. Pretty it much. Like. Which mm. are cool, don't get me wrong. Typical of fighting um, games. Right. I mean, t- fighting games had never been known for their story, but it was nice to hear that one was finally going to break the mold right. and give us this crazy-ass story where these these two big worlds come together and and it would have been it would have been awesome and then it was just four cgi cutscenes, and as he said six matches a boss fight against galactus and an ending mm-hmm. depending on which character landed the final blow but again the endings are cool and there's 36 of them because there's 36 right. characters so and and there are things that you're not going to see anywhere else. Like you're not going to be able to see She-Hulk play judge to a Phoenix Wright and Miles Edgeworth trial. You're not. You're never going. You're going to see that again. And it's, 
I mean, it's, it's funny. This a lot of them right. are funny. Or Magneto's is awesome. Magneto, believe it or not, is a sentimental ending, which is awesome. I love it, but it's not what they advertised. Right. I feel like the gameplay for fighting games just does not lend itself to like a story. You know, it's like it's almost as if like you could write a great story and then present it to a bunch of people who are making a fighting game. They'd be like, I can't do anything with this. Well, because you can't you can't put the story into the gameplay. It's got to be separated from when you're actually playing. It's got to be yeah. gameplay, story, play, story. Or, or can you? Maybe it just hasn't been done yet. Yeah, I mean, I I guess that was a terrible statement of me to make. It would be hard. Would you even know that? I mean, the Tekken franchise has a a story that has gone from number one to number six, and that in the storyline. There are characters or people or characters, whatever you want to call them, who have actually won the King of Iron Fist tournament one and two and three and four. There's no way. Yeah, there's an actual running story there, but you can't you can't know that because the way fighting games are designed, you pick your favorite character and you play with that guy. So the only ending you're going to see is that guy. Right. Like I like the ending of, of Tekken 2, if you beat it with Heihachi, he dropped his son into a volcano. Yes, I did say that. He <laughs> dropped his son into a volcano. It's the most ridiculous ending of Crazy the entire game. Much. But the thing is, that's the canon ending. Right. Tekken 2. That's gotcha. one of the ones that actually happened. Most fighting games, they do have a canon ending, but like they don't streamline the story for those canon endings because everybody wants to play as every single character. I guess I guess my point is that like I I appreciate what you were saying in your review, Jason, that you know they they promised this big story and they didn't deliver on it, but maybe they can't. I I, would I, I don't know if I'd go that far. So here's a question. So the the story may be less than what everyone wanted, but how does that leave the game overall? Like in the scope of all of the uh, the this generation's fighting games. You know, we have Super Street Fighter, so, we have the other. No, of course you asked me that question. You know where I'm going to put it. But um, <laughs> as, as, as far as overall fun, I, I can easily say I've had more fun with this than Super Street Fighter 4. But that's because there's a lot more going on, there's a lot more creativity. Whereas Street Fighter 4, you just have one set moveset and that's it. Here you're allowed to meld three different people into one team and see what works and what doesn't, so on and so forth. So there's a lot more strategy to it. Right. But as far as like overall quality, I would probably say that Super Street Fighter 4 is the better overall game. Okay. How about um, you, I Mike? I, I think that uh, that it's... One, it's one of the, it's probably one of the most fun fighting games to play of all time. If and it's a, definitely a lot more fun than Street Fighter Four. And I never got to play Super Street Fighter Four, but any fighting game I've played recently, it's been a, a hell of a lot more fun. It's really easy to pick up and play. And just talking smack with your friends, whether in person or online, while throwing down, is just a fun thing to do with this game. Every everything's pretty balanced, and you never feel like you're out of a fight. Uh, and it's all just a lot of fun. So fun factor-wise, I think it's one of the best fighting games ever. However, as far as depth and like the big picture goes, I was really expecting this game to be the first to try and break the mold of the stereotypical uh, stereotypes that come with this, the fighting genre. As far as like 
story and and just general depth as far as modes and options goes. Uh, and it just it it uh, I hate to say it was disappointing because it really is a fun and great game, but it, it was a bit of a disappointment and it left me wanting. Hmm. So speaking of stereotypes of genre. Um, on a switch gears now to some, to a game that Dan really liked um, you know and had been looking forward to as well. And well what are you talking about? Because there are two that I actually have in mind that can fit that description right now. Well, we had recently spoken about Dead Space 2 and about okay. how it had been stereotyped as you know one particular genre when maybe it's not. Okay. Yeah, I, well, I'm also not a great person to talk to about Dead Space because I'm such a nerd for the franchise. <laughs> this is the fanboy show today. Yeah, it's, it's admittedly so. And so, like, when I was reviewing it, I was like, oh, my God, I have to try to be so much more objective than, than, <laughs> than I normally have to try to be. Um, but, yeah, I, I really liked it. I, I definitely thought that it's unfortunate that it was branded and sold as survival horror. You know, it says it uh, on the website. It says it, I think it says it somewhere on the box, too. Um, you know, the best survival horror thing in the whole, you know, your mom hates Dead Space 2 is all about how mom hates survival horror. Uh, but uh, I definitely didn't pick up that vibe from it, um, except for maybe like one or two portions in the game. Like the very first chapter when you're not, when you don't have all the weapons yet and, you know, spoiler alert for anyone who's trying to play the first chapter without having heard about it. But, um, you know, you run around in this uh, straight jacket. For I don't know a minute or two, and you completely you're just like I gotta get the fuck out of here. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then eventually, like you'll find a weapon, you know, you'll find the or something like that. So there's little bits like that are survival, but by and large, it's really a bunch of set pieces that are sort of uh, cobbled together. And like you were saying, Eddie, um, there's a lot of um, you know, especially with the what's it called, the indicator, the thing that shows you where you're supposed to go. Um, see yeah. that way, it's pretty much like here's a line and follow it to the next. Yeah. Um, granted, I think they did a pretty good job also of, of throwing in a few surprises here and there, so it wasn't as much of just follow this line. But it really is much more about here's a big set piece or a moment where you're getting dragged and you're on rails for a little bit, um, but you're still kind of shooting or doing this or that. Um, and in that way, it's very much more an action title. I liked it overall. I, you know, I gave it a five in my review. I really liked it, uh, but again, I'm I'm not the best. Maybe I'm not the best judge. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, you had fair arguments for for everything you said, um, and I think it's a good game too. I just uh, I was taken aback by the the mountains of universal acclaim uh, for the game because I mean, I I saw a few problems that I thought should at least be noted. Um, so I actually wrote a column called Detracting from Dead Space 2. Um, not because not because I don't like the game, but just because I wanted to, to mention things. Um, I think it's a good game, but um, as horror, I, I don't think it's really a horror game. But then even as action, you know, there are still those few things that bothered me, like following the lines. I mean, that's, that's part of any game. That's not just being horror that's uh, in any game is just following lines through the same hallways to me. Um, there's the issue of the weapons that kind of bothered me. Like, if you don't specialize in one or two weapons, you're left with a bunch of nothing. Like, you don't have uh, 
good options to kill your enemies. Um, and Actually, the, I, was, I, I saw that you had said that earlier, and I would um, respectfully, of course, Aaron Zotto, uh, disagree, because I think it, it, the way that I played my first playthrough, yeah, are you laughing at that, that good for you? Aaron Zotto. I didn't, I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the, the way that I played it the first time through was I didn't specialize in any of the weapons because I was like, oh, yeah, I don't really want to see what each one of these is about. And as a result, all of them were kind of weak, right? Because yeah. you know, you, you're much better with, like, the plasma cutters and things like that. As a result, the game was just a little bit harder. But I thought that was fine. Mm-hmm. I think Dead Space succeeded in uh, scaring the shit out of me. I know that much. Really? The second one or the first one? Second one. I still yeah. had to... I, I still felt the need to use the YouTube method in certain parts. Oh no! Not the YouTube not, method. Have, have I not? What is it? You don't know, oh, you don't know my YouTube method for being a pussy no, I, with horror games? <laughs> no, I don't. It's it's the Jason Finale patent: be a pussy with horror games. Watch a little bit, play a little bit. Watch a little bit, play a little bit. So you don't wow. have a fucking so you don't have a fucking heart attack. Okay. I, uh. I didn't do it. I didn't do it a lot. I did it where. There was a point where I thought something was really going to kick my ass and really, really, really get to me. So I'm like, okay, let me see what happens. And nine times out of ten, it was just a dark room. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, like, oh, that's not too bad. So I just start strolling through it. Then all of a sudden, after I leave the room, I get hit with every necromorph in the fucking world. Yes, that's something else that was interesting to me. Um, I feel like the game really picked up and, you know, came into its own in the second half. Um, Because even in the first half, you you wouldn't run into a whole lot of necromorphs. Like, you would find yourself coming through a lot of empty rooms, and then you might pluck off a few here and there. Um, And then later in the game, it started to get pretty intense and turn into a more enjoyable action romp, you know. Um, I also felt like the objectives got better in the later half. Like, you had to do things... um, as opposed to just get places. And I spoke with Sinan of the Big Red Potion actually about that, and he said, well, in the beginning it was about the escape. And I was like, yeah, but I didn't really feel the pressure. So it, it, maybe it just it's just me demanding more of a horror game, as maybe I was, you know, preconditioned, but I feel like... It just left me wanting in a few ways. Even in the even in those set pieces, which were a really grand spectacle and pretty awesome, I found that I I wanted to do more. You know, I mean, I think I think I, I'm being pretty objective when I say that uh, those sections where you're getting dragged along, all you're really doing is aiming your reticle at a yellow flashing thing for most of the time. I I just got to say, Jason, if if you think that this game was scary, which I personally did not, um, and I I think, who was it? Um, Jason Killingsworth, he he has this wonderful um, blog where he he wrote a thing and he was like, there's all these dudes on the internet who are like, I'm not scared of Dead Space 2 because I got a giant cock and like, shit doesn't scare me. And I was like, (laughs) I think there's a little bit of truth to that. Um, but but I don't think that was the case of this game. But I would say if you were scared by this, go and play Amnesia: The Dark Descent. <laughs> Jason, no, never played Amnesia. Playing that game. <laughs> I've seen the video. I've seen the video of the kid freaking out. Oh. I, that's all I need to know. 
I'm going to play that game in the middle of a lit stadium. <laughs> and Amnesia <laughs> Underhand is one of my favorite horror games. Now, it's not that it's it's more. I think that I think it was more scared of Dead Space Two on reputation. Uh. Because Dead Space One literally scared the bejesus out of me in certain points, and like worse than any other game in my life. So I was kind of like, I don't know. I, wow, big tough guy being real pussy right now. Um, I, I think that's good though because I I do agree that I feel like there's a little bit too much, especially in the online community, of people sort of grandstanding and saying like, well, if this game doesn't scare me, then that means I'm awesome. And it's like, well, yeah, let yourself be scared by something. So I'm glad to hear that you know it does I'm, have that. I'm a giant, I'm a giant pussy. You're glad to hear that. <laughs> I'm glad to. You don't have to. You don't have to feel bad, Jason, because I. I simply refuse to touch Dead Space simply because I am very easily terrified, and I would probably crap my pants if I played five minutes of Dead Space or Dead <laughs> oh, Space. Oh, man. I remember when I started college and I bought my new uh, state-of-the-art at the time, which is now completely ancient and old, uh, PC, and I bought Doom 3 with it. And Doom 3 was the big game at the time. And I decided that I would be a genius and, you know, test my bravery by playing uh, Doom 3 in the middle of the night in my dorm room all alone with the lights off. And <laughs> never again will I play a, any any type of game with any type of horror in it in that sort of situation ever again. I got scared, you know, you know what. <laughs> oh, yeah, he locked the computer in the closet after that. <laughs> <laughs> The demons are trying to come through the through the console. His roommate, he comes back. He's in the fetal position on his bed, sucking his thumb. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, what's the matter with you, Mars UAV? They're coming. They're oh coming man! Skulls. <laughs> Jeez. All right. So you you've been playing actually another game recently, which you have a review coming up for that maybe isn't so scary and also isn't such a big release. What's uh, Trinity like? Mike. Oh, Trinity. Um, where to begin? Uh, oh, Trinity cool. is um, an RPG by Tech McCoy. Yeah. Uh, and it is a. I, I hate. It's it's a pretty it's pretty bland. Uh, the story is not really that original. There's a evil emperor. Okay. Who is given a prophecy by his main sage type character that his grandson will kill him. So what does he do? He kills his his children, and of course, the one secret grandson survives, and he's the main character. And of course, he's a um, he's not as bad as some cliches, but he is kind of like a young, like late teenage. Like early twenty something, like brooding uh, <laughs> kid who wants to avenge his parents and bring apart uh, part about vengeance upon the evil emperor. And um, the sounds pretty unique. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question: Is there a scene where the main character bangs his grandmother and then rips, pokes his eyes out with a uh, with with uh, her her hair rods like Oedipus? God no, <laughs> grandmother's dead. Oh goodness! I hope not. <laughs> I'm like, yes, but, um, Wait, that was like the first scene. I, it really didn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> it feels really dated. It feels like a game from the Xbox and PlayStation 2 era. 
sounds um, like it sounds like they developed it with the mindset of, hey, you're playing it. It's good enough for me. Oh no, <laughs> that's so sad. <laughs> um. Oh well. The, so um, not not said not your favorite game then. Not really. I mean, it's. I will. I will say some of the characters are really are really nice. Ari- like I said, Arius isn't as bad as some of his like as some of his uh stereotype brethren in uh both games and other genres of entertainment. And uh some of the other characters are are well fleshed out. Um Dogda, uh one of the other main characters. He plays the role of the gentle giant kind of character. Um and then Backwards the other main character is Sane who's not that great. Um Arius's mentor, uh Darkin is pretty good. Um so it's got it's got some some good characters, not the best. Um the music is catchy. That's actually one of the lone um, beams of light in the darkness that is this game. <laughs> oh, jeez. Right. That's right. enough. That's enough. I don't want to hear anymore. But, let's, uh, let's save them the indignity. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we don't, like, that's, that's some bland coffee you just put out. Yeah, I know, right? Jeez. So you just there. remember this game called Two Worlds way back in the day that was supposed to be good and just wasn't at all? Yeah, I remember their but, strategy guide came out. They had to put an, a separate spine on it, like a little flap, because they spelled the name wrong on the spine. It was Two Wallards. <laughs> oh, my God. So wait, so th- this game had a sequel, and uh, like, Domino's, too. like Domino's, it doesn't suck anymore. Is that is that right, Dan? Or, or is it still... Uh, it's not. It's it's like Domino's. They just put garlic salt on the crust and called it a day. (laughs) 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 That is one of my favorite lines of any podcast I've ever done. (laughs) It's it's not good now. And and you know what's so bizarre, though, is that it's gotten a pretty solid amount of really positive um, and, um, Jeff Matchleff wrote a really interesting one. It wasn't like a super positive review, but he sort of like took the stance where he said, it's kind of like a B-roll movie. I don't know if any of you guys really like like B-roll horror action movies. Okay, I certainly do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like your Lorenzo Lamas Spiders too, and those, those sorts of movies, Trolls too. Uh, he took the, Jeff took the position that this is sort of like that as a game where it's like, it's so bad that it's good because it's kind of funny mm-hmm. uh, yeah jeff jeff likes to look at games from that perspective yeah of. yeah which I, I can appreciate um <laughs> i definitely laughed a couple times while i was playing it it had some of the similar problems to uh trinity fairly stock story characters etc um but i don't know i it wasn't like so bad that i was laughing that i spent like you know 40 hours on it you know it's like that's to me the appeal of a, a bad movie is that you can like be over with in an hour and you know laugh about it later. Uh, Forty hours, I mean, that's, that's way too much time to put in for something to be that bad. Right. So the basic mechanics though, um, just didn't come together right, or what was what were the main yeah yeah what was I the mean, main problem really? Hmm. The main problem is that it's boring. Oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, like like take take Oblivion. A lot of the quests are very Aaron boy. You don't really feel like you're doing all that much. It's sort of like, okay, I'm slicing through this person to get to this potion to bring back to this other person. But in, in Oblivion, 
somehow they make it work. I'm not saying I know how they make it work, but they make it work. Game, you do it and you bring it back, and they're like, "Good job, boy. I'll just go do the next thing." And you don't really feel any sense of fulfillment. Nothing changes. There's no, you know, you don't. Yeah, the experience is pretty generic, and so you don't feel like you're really changing all that much of the character. Um, right. Yeah. But I mean, I mean isn't that isn't that standard practice though in the entire realm of MMOs? And people get down with that constantly. Yeah, yeah. I actually felt that way when I was playing it. Is that it had the feel of um, what little I played of Final Fantasy fourteen. Mm-hmm. Because um, there's like it's like it normally you don't have a weapon out. You have to push a button to get into weapon stance. And then when you're in weapon stance, you gotta push the pull your weapon into a weapon position. But what? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so you have to push like two buttons before you can actually push the attack button and and oh my goodness so there's that kind of thing in in MMOs people are very much okay with that a lot of the time and you know they'll learn to hotkey this thing or whatever with that and uh, personally I'm not a fan of MMOs so I can't get down with that I have a hard time doing that Mm. but even where this doesn't have the same kind of uh, depth or online community that an MMO would. Now, question. What platform did you play Two Worlds Tour? 360. 360. I wonder how many of those positive reviews were for the PC version. That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe... Because if you're saying it reminds you of an MMO, then maybe it, it better suits itself to a keyboard and mouse. It certainly... Yeah, that could be the case. I don't know. Maybe... Uh... I mean, that that's... I didn't play it. Um, I... I I have when when one when one out of ten friends that I ask tells me that it's good, I kind of take that for what it's worth. But um, I, the one guy that did like it, I I could I think I remember correctly, he played it on PC. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, I wonder if it's like a Dragon Age where Dragon Age was good on every platform, but a lot of people say that PC is the only way to really experience Dragon Age Origins. I wonder if Two Worlds Two is kind of the same thing. Dude, I played Dragon Age. Origins on both PC and PS3, and I mean, I only began it on the PS3, but once I tried it on PC, I was like, okay, forget that, I'm going to keep it on the computer and just forget about the PlayStation version. That's yeah. good. Um, I, I regretted buying the uh, buying Dragon Age Origins for the, for the 360 over the PC, and I'm hoping I don't uh, regret that decision again because I decided for some reason to pre-order Dragon Age 2 for the 360 again. Well, that fool, uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yep. Idiot. Exactly. Shame on you, Mike. Um, ho- I'm and I guess shame on everyone who played Two Worlds too. <laughs> oh, that was not nice. Um, so let's see, what else has been played? Uh, Jason, you're playing Tactics Ogre, right? Oh, yes, I uh, am. Yes, I am. Sorry to I, oh, man. I, I, Tactics Ogre is a very sentimental game for me. Many a, a sleepover in Boyle or my basement was spent trying to beat this freaking game. So to be able to be frustrated with it all over again on the PSP is a great feeling. <laughs> um, it, it's 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 a very it's very um, faithful 
to the original. It's 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 the same story. It's the same characters. The music is there, though updated. The graphics are there, though updated. Um, I love it. I love it. It's like I went right back to being, you know, getting home from Blockbuster with the game and being like, we never tried this before. Let's play it. And then spending six hours and not going to bed to four in the morning. It awesome. Awesome, awesome tactics game. I'm one of the few people, I'm in the minority here, I think that Tactics Ogre beats the shit out of Final Fantasy Tactics. I don't know why, I just I think that. Um, maybe it's more exposure to one than the other, I don't know. But but I love Tactics Ogre, I love it. It's the only Ogre battle game I've played, um, unfortunately. I would like to play the other ones, but, but this one is just, man, I love it. Uh, so how do you feel about it? <laughs> it's alright. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine it's it's not you know it's not Marvel vs. Capcom 3 but whatever <laughs> cool so but it's but it is just uh, essentially a remake uh, yeah it's, it's it's basically a port of the PS1 with uh, with a fresh coat of paint alright so I'm gonna say something now I'm gonna talk about a game that oh, I you're, oh you're here too <laughs> yeah you're actually um, gonna contribute and talk about a game yeah um I played I played a game from one of my favorite favorite sources um double fine productions tim schaefer and the bunch um i was let down a little bit by the last foray into comedy video gaming in brutal legend i expected something different but stacking i really didn't expect anything from and it was kind of awesome so you yeah you play as the the matryoshka dolls the the russian stacking dolls and um you're the littlest of a family of these things that get taken away by the evil baron to work slave labor. Wait, 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 wait. I haven't done enough drugs to understand this story. (laughs) It's so weird. Um, So you end up going to this um, train station and meeting a hobo. His name (laughs) (laughs) is... I I just want to say these things so that... (laughs) So that it produces laughter, because that's what the game does. I mean, it's it's great. You can stack with every um, doll that's one size larger than whatever you are at the moment, and each one has its own ability. It's really interesting. I think my favorite, listening to what they randomly say, because they say some ridiculous things, like totally inappropriate things, um, that only, I guess... Tim Schafer and company, Lee Petty, would would uh, come up with and actually go through with. And I think that's sort of refreshing to be able to just, you know, have a have a little laugh with the game. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of, um, I don't know if you guys ever played uh, Space Station Silicon Valley back on the Nintendo 64, but it's sort of the same idea. Um, or, or any game, really, where you get, where you are a pilot and can get in other vessels that have different abilities. So that was a lot of fun. I was, I was, I was interested in that, just seeing the screens of the different Russian dolls. I'm just like, whoa, that looks trippy as hell. But if it's fun, I might have to try it. Yeah. Yeah, and then on the other, the flip side of this, I played Near, which was from almost a year ago and it is basically about death, pain and suffering and sadness and struggles and really a big downer but kind of a good <laughs> as well. <laughs> I have a friend of mine uh, who says that was his favorite game 
of 2010, he would make it game of the year instantly. Yeah, near by the end of by the end of that story, I was you know a, a near fan like waving the the foam finger with near written on it. Um, definitely uh, recommended to anyone who enjoys something different and maybe not just playing for fun, but for you know the what the game has to say to you and for you know breaking down your expectations of uh what should be presented by a game and I, I thought that was that was a really good thing to play even if it wasn't always perfectly put together you know in terms of mechanics and and those sorts of things i all i remember from near the little i played of it was the fact that he is the ugliest motherfucker on the face of the earth. <laughs> Why does everyone focus on that? I don't even I just, how could you not? He looks like <laughs> fucking sloth like, from the goodies. But why does why does a video game character have to be an attractive person? He's just no, I'm not saying he has to. Yeah, but, saying... but they usually are. Isn't that isn't that interesting though? That like normally you get a main character who's at least, you know, somewhat easy to look at, but in this case it's just, uh, I think they made it a point, probably, to make him look the way he did because of what the game was doing. Um, you know, he's just he was just any guy, and and uh, the situation that all the characters were thrown into and the, the struggles that they had in all of their lives and throughout this adventure um, were not pretty either. So he, his, his ugliness, I guess, it could... Is a representation of of that whole concept. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, but I, I was I was kind of kind of happy to see that. On oh, uh, I I don't mean to focus on his ugliness, but my JRPG rules are a lot like my internet rules: tits or get out. Oh, well, wow! Nay, Kainate's wearing uh, basically like lingerie. That's true. She's also a hermaphrodite, but uh, and she curses a lot, right? Can move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, she's she's literally a hermaphrodite. Like, oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, shower time. <laughs> anyway, um, I really wanted to talk about what if a video game character was like obese, and how hilarious that would be. I'm down with that. Sign <laughs> me up. You can make Nathan Drake obese in Uncharted. And then try to do uh, yeah, let's think. Have there ever been any Pigsy from Enslaved? Or you mean main characters? No, I mean like like protagonists, the ones that you control. Maybe Boogerman. I don't think so. Boogerman and the guy from uh, Left 4 Dead 2. Coach. Coach. Coach had a bit of Coach a was obese. He's not, not obese. What's he? I don't even. I don't he even had, remember. How would affect like gameplay, like the movement? He had a, and like your like, belly gut. Uh-huh. Like you couldn't move nearly as fast. <laughs> He'd be so slow. <laughs> if you want, if you want to be technical, um, San Andreas allowed you to. Oh, that's true. Uh, make, very true. Make Carl Johnson very, very overweight by going to the uh, fast yeah. food joint all the time. Uh, Fable does that too, a little bit. Fable. And Fable two and Fable three at least. Eating supplies. Yeah, you can get out of shape in those. Huh. Well, it okay, also doesn't help that. that. Sorry, sorry to hold everything up. Oh, yeah. So, so now that you're back, Dan, how about... Do you want to talk about a game? The the last game you've been playing? 
Yeah, yeah, I've been playing Bulletstorm, which is another one of those that's sort of redoing a genre, I guess I would say. Right, um, and also one that's been getting a lot of attention as well. Yeah, yeah, Bulletstorm is definitely it's all over the map. Um, I, I think all the most of the reviews that I've read have been really positive, though, um, and I think mine would mine would be likewise since that it uh, offers a different uh, shooter experience than the one that you're used to. It's not a perfect shooter experience, but because it does something different, it's very easy to overlook a lot of those inadequacies. Like, for example, um, almost in the vein of Marvel Cap 3, it's like you could ignore the story if you want. Just forget that that's there. Like, it's super tried. It's like, I'm out for revenge. And then, like, he gets super sentimental, and then he's like, I'm not out for revenge anymore. And then... Not with support. I would I would recommend playing through the single player campaign because there's certain parts that you wouldn't play in the other modes. But um, yeah, it's not. It's like it gets really weird at the end, like super sentimental, which doesn't make any sense because I'm sure you all have seen some of the marketing or whatever for this game where it's like dick tits and ball suckers and like <laughs> yeah, <you know>, bang. <laughs> that's what the game is about to me. <laughs> and it's just and about into, like <laughs> profanity. <laughs> Screw. <laughs> Screw but a story tits. and accurate gameplay. I'm all about the dick tits. <laughs> I'm down with Bullet Storm because they had that food truck outside of E3, Burger Storm. <laughs> Burger Storm. That shit was awesome. It's, so, it's sort of like if you took the idea of profanity in language and applied it to profanity in uh, gameplay style. Um, in that you have these skill shots that are all about, you know, shoot this guy in the dick or like decapitate him and then throw his body off a cliff or yeah what have you, you know? yeah i saw one called fire in the hole where you turn a guy around and shoot a machine gun up his ass <laughs> right. uh, yeah. yeah yeah and a lot of those are um it like i would find myself being like hey come in here come check this out because i like wanted other people to see it and laugh at how amazing <laughs> and uh, amazingly irreverent i guess yeah. this game was so this is a totally immature game, but does it play well? It does. It's a lot of fun to kill with skill, which I guess is their tagline. With skill. Um, Look at uh, you. Are you working yeah. with them now? Yeah, for real. <laughs> no, it's. Um, I think one of the things they also do really well is pacing. Uh huh. Um, the there's never a point in the campaign, at least, where you're not learning something new about a mechanic or a weapon. Or, uh, you know, you're getting some new ability or learning something new about the way that you can use an ability that you already have. Um, so, you know, like you get the last gun, maybe like the second to last level, which is cool. Oh, that's cool. Which is just a really sweet gun. Unless it's a really awesome gun, then you then you get annoyed that you wanted to use it for longer. Well, but if, yeah. if that's the case, then you have two other game modes in which you can enjoy them, which clearly forego the story and just say... Make it, you know, some arcade sort of, uh, you know, it's all about score. With <laughs> forego the story that was already foregone in the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, but so, a generally positive. It's not. Uh, I guess I guess it's refreshing at this particular point in time. Maybe if I played it like a while ago or sometime in the future, I might have a different reaction. But I feel like I've been bogged down, like. The Call of Duties, where it's like this is yeah. real. You're fighting just, for your country. Yeah, I'm. 
I'm kind of pooped. The only other thing that I even played this month and last month was Pixel Junk Shooter 2, and you can all wait for the review, which is going up tomorrow, which is actually in the past by the time this podcast goes live. True. (laughs) You can go read it. Yeah. Before we end the podcast, I want to give a shout-out to Deep Silver and Techland for what might be the best trailer Uh, I have ever seen with their Dead Island trailer. I can only uh, hope the game lives up to the hype that that trailer has generated. Have you you all watched it? Yeah. Yes. Is it just me? I thought that was brilliant. Brilliant. You know know what's really interesting is that there was a lot of hype, and then there was a lot of counter-hype. There are a lot of people who are like, quit being so hyped about this game. You didn't even see gameplay footage. Yeah, and then there was like counter-counter hype. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, it got real serious. I just, I kind of watched the video and I was like, oh, cool, video. Done. Yeah. <laughs> I want to save my judgment until I actually see more substance from the game. Okay. <laughs> I think, I think we've, we've come to the end of our rope here. Um, I hope everyone's enjoyed listening to us ramble on about the games we've been playing because we, we enjoyed talking about them finally after however long it's been, a few months. Oh, um, was that? I was pent up. Yeah. I do want to uh, give an official shout out to um, Sinan Kaba, Joseph Delia, Jeff Matleff, and Gary Blower, also known as Zantiriad, from the Big Red Potion podcast, who have become official, I guess we could say, partners or, or brosifs. Brosifs. <laughs> Tico Brohays. No, <laughs> so yeah, you'll be seeing more Big Red Potion uh, when those episodes come out, as well as Versus Node as as ours come out. Um, it's good to so have. So when do we do? When do we do? Together. When do we do Versus Node versus Big Red Potion? Fate of two podcasts. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> it be it would be the Versus Red Potion podcast. Yes. Mm. Why not Big Red Potion versus Node? Oh, look at you. Yeah, That's yeah. why you're the editor-in-chief. <laughs> Put a two at the end of that, because everybody loves sequels. Yeah. <laughs> two. Okay, so this, is, this has been the uh, Versus Node Podcast 2, 2011. <laughs> um, for Mike, Jason, and Dan, uh, this is Eddie and Zotto signing off. Thanks, guys. Yo. Bye. Back. Right. Yeah, yeah. I want to take you for a ride.